0: Hello, coffee lovers, and welcome to the God Country Live Video Podcast
1: every every Friday evening at seven PM Central Standard Time. And now, live from Seguin, Texas, and other places around the world,
2: your host, Jose Roberto Alaniz Jr.
1: All right. Uh we'll have just sit tight for a second. I'm gonna start this with a with a quick uh Uh, You can't hear me yet because I have you in the green room. I'm going to bring you on in just a minute. Uh, I have Will Willis uh, waiting in the background here. Uh, Right next to me uh, with the mountains of Honduras set a window in the background uh, Mm -hmm. is Ashley Williams. He is the Mm -hmm. owner of Legacy Farms Coffee. Uh, And we came out here because that's our coffee company. That's who provides 90% of the coffee that we sell uh, under our name. We get the raw coffee from him and You can actually see some of them. You'd have to know what they look like, but there's some of the coffee trees in our background. Um, But I wanted to do this. I I usually, when I get started, I am always thank God for everything he's done in our life. All the people that he's put uh, in front of us to make our company go. And the mission that we have, share the gospel, support our veterans, especially those in crisis, uh, help our community out in a Christ-like fashion and get people Mm -hmm. to quit drinking Mm -hmm. gas station coffee by buying the best, coffee uh, this side of heaven from me, and I, I get it from him. So uh, we've been down here in Honduras for a couple of days now, and it's very eye-opening. Uh, I climbed down a mountain today, uh, and I'm a big man. I'm almost 300 pounds, and going down these little narrow passes where these guys that weigh 90 pounds, you know, run down uh, was pretty scary for me because we were, I think the elevation was that uh, we were about 7, 4,700 feet uh, was our elevation, and then Uh, I went down about 50 or 60 feet to where they were planting. And so I'm going to do this, this uh, quick video before we get started with Will. Uh, And I just want you to see what we're doing. Lfmissions.org is on my name. So hit that during the show today. Uh, And I'm also going to put in the right now, as we're getting going, I'm going to put this in the chat. Uh, And this is how you can donate and help LF missions. So real quick, I'm going to I'm going to run this video and then and then we'll get started with our with our guest that I'm really excited to have. All right, so I'm going to do this. And we're going to go right here. And I'm going to make that like that. And then Hello, Coffee Lovers, JR with Third Day Coffee Seguin, and again, we're doing yet another live.
0: What video are you showing?
1: The one that we did at the,
0: what happens? Whoa.
1: Okay, I'm not sure what happened there. Let me hit the JD, are you seeing this? Okay.
0: Now it's settling
1: down. It acts like it, but it's it's not loading it. Okay, no worries. Okay, so that didn't work out. I don't know why it's not rolling, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna let Ashley just give you a little bit about what. What, what we're trying to do, what, why we're trying to help uh, the mission that he has here with the local people. I wish I could have rolled the, the thing. I'll put it in the comments so you can hit the YouTube. Uh, it's an amazing video that we shot earlier about uh, how, how he's helping the local community. So just give us a quick rundown about what we've been doing these past couple of days.
0: Uh, the last couple of days, we just we bounced around to a couple of farms, uh, met a lot of the farm workers and let them know this guy's the one that's actually been buying their coffee. Uh, today, we got to go to Santos's farm. He sells a brand of coffee called Finca Santos. Uh, next year, you'll only be able to get it from, uh, from third day. But uh, we've met a lot of the people, watched exactly how coffee's made. Uh, everybody's got to see exactly what coffee looks like, the, the plants or trees that it comes from. It's, uh, it's a lot more involved than what a lot of people realize. A lot, uh, very little machinery everything going down the hills today the guys are we're barely making it down the hills they're going down with 40 pounds of coffee on their shoulder planting new plants um, we were able to bless uh santos uh through third day here uh, bought a lot of plants from donations uh, planted the rest of his three little farms uh, which is probably maybe a half an acre total they got all that planted in a high grade specialty coffee would uh, be perinamo be the variety and just bless that family tremendously for with coffee that they wouldn't have been able to afford otherwise. Uh, most of the people we're working with currently work on our farms. And that way we get to know them a little bit better. Um, we can help them some with better pay, but uh, just a little more money compared to what they could do for themselves. And so I really like the idea of being able to uh, team with these guys and and help these farmers help themselves. And so just giving them a bag of food's one thing, but planting a guy's farm and then the harder he works, you know, the more he can get from it. And then I'm exporting it to the States. He's roasting it and selling it. And these guys are making a tremendous amount of money. Uh, kids are getting to stay in school, better health care for them, just a better way of life. We went by uh, Finca Osman, we went by his the owner's name is Bahidio. He has less than a half an acre of coffee. Uh, Got JR super duper haircut here today. That's a 95 cent haircut. (laughs) The video's got a little barbershop. Uh, His wife, we helped her get a corn grinder. Uh, Today she showed us a pig that she bought from the money from profits from grinding corn. Uh, And we're also selling their coffee. So I'll be roasting and selling Finca Osman. He's going to roast and sell Finca Santos. We're all going to roast and sell Finca Anna. But just changing lives one at a time, little by little, uh, a little bit that we give here. Uh, I think everything we did today cost a total of about $400. dollars i finished planting a guy's farm out. um, Just um, enough fertilizer to plant, uh, fertilize those plants for an entire year. And just the differences we've seen in people's lives. Uh, Anna was talking to JR today about how Um, how her house has changed just since she's worked here and putting a new roof on it. Uh, She's 36 years old, got three kids. The first time in her entire life they've owned a refrigerator. And it was from the coffee sales. And then this year she actually bought a a washing machine and from the coffee sales. Um, Currently her daughter's in college. Her main goal in life was to see her kids graduate. She's got a daughter in college now. All of it's paid for. It's from coffee people and coffee sales. Uh, it's just incredible what little things we can do there are stateside, uh, just by buying coffee that we're already drinking coffee anyway, and to start buying coffee with a with a purpose in it. And uh, and we're honored to be working with these guys and um, just other Christians uh, and keeping each other straight and uh, and just being blessed to help bless other people. And so that's that's just a. Uh, I'm honored to work with these people. It's changed my family and my kids. It's changed the way we've done a lot of things in our life. And we've we've been taking a lot of things for granted. Uh, We've lived here on the farm for almost seven years now. Uh, And it's really really been a blessing and eye-opening for, to say the least.
1: Thanks, I really appreciate that. So, like I, there's nothing else to add to that. Just look at all the videos that I've been posting this week. Uh, you know, we were at the mountain today on Santos's farm. Uh, we've been out to the site where they're building a library and a church, um, and a clinic because they do clinic here like twice a year, uh, for medical care. And they like, they're expecting 400 people here, uh, next week here at the farm because the new facility is not ready yet. But anyway, it's all about helping each other out, giving each other a hand up, not a handout. And, uh, and that's what we're all about. And so, uh, without further ado, I know that I've been posting this around with a lot of buzz about our celebrity. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm more amazed uh, at the fact that he went from being an Army Ranger to being an Air Force pararescue uh, than, uh, you know, he's done. I think the first time I ever saw Will Willis on TV was uh, he was recreating and I think the longest shot on a, on a show called Weapons That Changed the World. Uh, And I was like, man, if that guy can really shoot like that, you know, it's pretty cool. And then, of course, in Forging in Fire, he shot a samurai sword twice. And, uh, you know, I was like, I got to get a hold of this guy somehow and get him on the show. And then what really attracted me to Will was uh, he started doing these Monday things called Monday uh, Mental Health Monday on Instagram. And I reached out to him, very approachable. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to bring him on, let him introduce the rest of himself and uh, and see what we can come up with here.
3: What's up, brother? <laughs> What's going on, man? It looks beautiful there.
1: Yeah, man, it's just it's been amazing this week. Uh, you know, you, I I don't know if you ever went to third world countries when you were in the service, but uh, I never did, and I never saw. You know, there's people here that don't have electricity and running water. Yeah, man. It's 2021. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, I went to
3: Panama in 95 to the jungle operators training course. And I remember being out on a field problem where I thought I was, I was like taking a knee in some elephant grass. And I imagined that nobody had ever been there before when a little kid popped out of the weeds with a cooler on his head and sold me a Coca-Cola for 50 years.
1: Well, that was probably definitely not. Uh, and something. then he snuck around to keep
3: the bottle because he recycled. And I was like, well, this is just the coolest little dude ever, man.
1: That is so awesome. So, Will, tell us where you grew up and what led you to join the military.
3: Uh, I grew up um, all over the United States. Uh, I was born in Portugal and the Azores, which are islands actually off the coast. That's where Lodges Field Air Force Base is. Uh, And then I grew up in Texas, Florida, graduated high school in California. And I, I entered the military because I was pretty much just an angry guy with no direction who wanted to get it on <laughs> you know that's i wanted i wanted somebody to pay me to 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 be angry and uh, and the army was more than willing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i think that's the be- that's the that's the that's the reader's digest version and and really that's like the guts of it you know i mean there's a, there are a lot of people that talk about you know all of these higher You know, uh, what do you want to call it? Deeper causes, you know, or 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 deeper um, reasons for going into the military. I I just, I just wanted to get paid for being angry and get it on. I wanted, I wanted to see what what I was capable of doing. You know, it was it was a test for me. It wasn't, it wasn't for anything other than that. Yeah,
1: yeah. uh, I I kind of joined because I was raised in a household. My dad was Air Force. Uh, he was uh, Air Force uh, crypto tech. He did counterintelligence back in the '50s, mm-hmm. and I just always wanted to be like my dad. I thought I was—I always thought I was going to go into the Air Force. I was going to be a crypto tech like dad, and I was going to go do all the cool things that he did. Uh, but it—it it didn't work out. In the year I graduated in '89, uh, the Air Force had a freeze on recruiting, and I couldn't go to the Air Force. I was waiting around. On I walked past the Navy recruiter one day, old chief, and in, inside the building, smoking a cigarette. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, "You know, we offer everything the Air Force does." I'm like, "Well, hey, look, man, I'm out of money. I'm out of a job. Uh, yeah, let's go." And so that's how I that's how I ended up in the Navy. Uh, yeah,
3: man. I mean, look, man, the Navy is. I, I worked with uh, guys in the Navy after I left active duty as an independent consultant, as an independent contractor. I worked for a former Navy SEAL with a bunch of Navy medic guys and different, you know, not necessarily, I mean, they, they weren't SEALs. They were, uh, uh, you know, just regular Navy guys that were maybe assigned or attached to SEAL teams. And, you know, that's kind of how they knew my employer or word of mouth. And it, it was a, and I just worked with these guys again last, or earlier this week. I just came back from uh, teaching an emergency trauma care class with these guys. And and it's a relationship that I have maintained through everything and, and with those Navy guys, but it, it, it's, a, it's a good relationship and a great organization.
1: Now, let me ask you, how did, how did you go from, I'm gonna plug this back in because apparently it did something to my light settings.
3: Right? I
1: don't know what that was. Uh, <laughs> How did you go from from uh, Army Ranger to Air Force Pararescue? I mean,
3: well, like, what, I finished I finished well? out my contract as as a as a ranger, and we had worked with PJs, and my dad was Air Force as well, and uh, I kind of knew a little bit about PJs and had thought about it. I even took my ASVABs for the Air Force, but you know, due to some recruiter. Uh, misinformation. I ended up over at the Army Recruiter's Office. <laughs> you know, about a year later. It, you know, and then, um, and then being in Third Ranger Battalion, we got to work with the PJs quite a bit, doing CSAR, uh stuff. And and uh, I really liked, you know, their long hair, and they called each other by their first names, and they always smelled like soap, and they stayed in a hotel room, and instead of sleeping in the dirt, and and, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was like, and and they got paid more than more hazard pay than all of us. And I was like, you know what, man, maybe that's the ticket right there. So I, I you know, it was like my backup plan for when I left active duty, uh, army was to go be a PJ. So, and then when my, when plan A didn't work out and plan B didn't work out after I ETS from the army, I, I, I went to the air force recruiter who. I'm still in contact with through Instagram. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, he, he put me in as a PJ. I lost a pay grade. That son of a gun. <laughs> he owes me like three years of like, uh, E5 pay.
1: That's, that's it,
3: man. That's that, that's the story. That's the short of it.
1: And, and so, um, doing the you did 12 years right I think is what I read somewhere with with the pararescue you yeah, know
3: I think uh from 98 until 2007 I did the pipeline and then I was a PJ in Iceland and then I was an instructor at the at the pararescue school and then I left active duty and I did like a, a roughly a year of reserve duty and uh so I think it all came out to something like 14 years eight months you know somewhere thereabouts. But uh, at this point, I, I don't get into the weeds. <laughs> like I did, it, you know? I did it. I did it for a while and I didn't retire. And it was about it was roughly from 1993 until 2008. That was my primary occupation was in the military. Yeah. I think there were two breaks in service there.
1: And so by the time you finished your service, were you still angry?
3: <laughs> yeah, angrier even just, really? just because, you know, I didn't. everybody has a vision of how they'd like things to go. You know what I mean? And, and, and then there are people that can roll with it. You know, they can roll with, uh, with the punches and they can, and they can kind of take the hits and, and, and stuff like that. And I was just always the kind of guy that wanted things my way. And I, and, and I thought that the higher and rank that I got and the, and the more, the more, uh, time I had under my belt, the more things would be my way. But, uh, the more things turned out to be you know like <laughs> it's time for you to really start following the rules pal. <laughs> and uh i think i i had a lot of ego problems i'll admit it some undiagnosed disorders even uh some impulse control problems my personal life kind of eclipsed my my professional capabilities you know the the hot mess that i that i was and wouldn't admit to off duty kind of became part of my uh on duty and affected the relationships with some people there. And, and it just came to a time in my life where I was like, you know what? Like, I just don't want to be doing this anymore. I just didn't feel I didn't I wasn't getting what I uh, fulfilled. I didn't feel fulfilled anymore. I felt like I knew the job I could come in. I could do the job hung over with my eyes closed, you know, and and uh, and do a pretty decent job. And that should have been good enough for anybody, you know, uh, F the relationships and F saying hello to people in the hallway. And, you know, I was still a really angry guy because I didn't feel like I was getting what I wanted out of, out of, out of everything. And, uh, maybe that was just a, a way of saying, you know, maybe what you think you want isn't what you need. You know, so that's, that's kind of the way of it. I, it just kind of went that way. You know, it was like time to leave. It was just time to be over. It's like anything else, you know, when you've hit your limit, you know, like it's done. And 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 the army was just done for me at some point. Active duty Air Force was done for me at some point. The reserves was definitely done for me at some point. And um, and and you know, you squeeze everything, I squeezed everything that I could out of them or that I thought that I could out of them. Uh, but yeah, I I, I don't know any other way to explain it. Yeah.
1: And so the day you got out of service, the very next day, did you know exactly what you were going to do the rest of your life?
3: Hell no, man. no, no. I still don't know, man. I'm unemployed right now. I don't know what I'm going to do with for, with the rest of my life. I'm like, I've got like 10 different sticks in the fire. And, and what it comes down to, you know, I, I talk about this with a lot of people, especially as they're transitioning out of the military you know, do you know what you're going to do? Do you have a plan? Do you have this? Do you have that? And, and everybody talks about job and they talk about work. I'm like, well, what's your relationship like with your wife? What's your relationship like with your kids? You know, I, that those should be the questions, you know, are you guys ready for this? Because when you transition out, it's going to be a big change for everybody. Are you strong enough as a family to endure this? You know, are you ready for those challenges? Because what I want to be for the rest of my life, I think now, is just a good husband and father. Regardless of what career I have, too long, I believe I let my career define who I was as a person. You know, you could be a drunk asshole as, a, as an Army Ranger or an Air Force Pararescueman. You know, but uh, but the reality is, is that as a human being, you shouldn't be like that, regardless of what your job is. And, and as a husband and as a father, you shouldn't be those things. And those are realizations that I had later. You know, the, the title that comes with your occupation, with what pays your bills, isn't what makes you a man. You know, it isn't what makes you a, 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 a capable provider for any family. And when I say man, you know, I just want you to know I'm not being gender specific.
0: I get
1: you. You're, you're in good company. You're all right. You, you can say, man. Uh,
3: <laughs> you know, yeah, but, but but really, I mean, too many times, I think in today's day and age, you know, we have a tendency to allow our occupation to define, you know, who we are as a person, and we seek and we seek validation in, 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 from people that we shouldn't be seeking validation from. You know the validation that I should have been seeking in my life should have come from my closest family and 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 friends, and I was seeking validation in other ways. So, yeah, um, yeah. So, so what I want to do for the rest of my life is be a good husband, and father.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's great because uh, a lot of people miss the what's really important. You know, in a group that I belong to, we call it quality of life. And you miss the quality of life that you're supposed to be having with your family for chasing the dollar or you know chasing other things that really at the end of the day don't really matter. Yeah, yeah. If you treat your wife like dirt or if you ignore them. Because I mm-hmm. mean, ignore them is just as bad as as um, as not, you know, paying attention to them. So I mean, or as bad as treating them like dirt is you know the same as ignoring them. But so <clears throat> how did you get into uh, the shows? I mean,
0: how, how long? You know,
3: it was kind of a of- Forrest Gump thing. I, 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 you know, I was doing some acting classes in New Mexico, just because of some command directed anger management that I was going to So somebody recognized something was wrong with me. <laughs> 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 and, you know, like somehow through that, I ended up going to like these acting classes and then a the casting call, which led to another call which led to me being sent an email about these producers that were looking for a PJ for a show. I threw my name in the hat, they hired me that became spec ops mission that rolled in the triggers. And then that landed me an agent, which eventually rolled into an audition for Forged in Fire. And then I I had known I had met Dave Baker in 2007. When I was still in the military, he was the prop provider for a shoot that we did in 2007 for uh deadliest warrior or the the sizzle that became deadliest warrior david baker was there he provided the props so when i did the uh the audition for forged in fire i already knew who he was and and i had already been to his studio i had already been to his workshop he was working on deadliest warrior when i was doing triggers same production company you know what i mean so Uh, I I was already familiar with Dave and his work. Um, Doug Markaida, I didn't meet him until we actually started filming. And then I met Jay Nielsen the same time I met Dave. And and Jay and I really got along. I'm always, I'm always, I think, very interested in learning from people who are masters of their trade, you know what I mean? And the idea of like working with one of a hundred master bladesmiths in the world you know in Jay Nielsen and and even Jason Knight later was just you know that was something that i was really looking forward to and so you know and i knew i had a i had a a very basic knowledge of forging you know what i mean but i didn't know everything that there was to know just like just like dave
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we uh i had done a little forging uh, I used to be a commercial welder and so I did a lot of welding jobs and one of my contractors asked me one time, Hey man, can you make me some hinges? But I want them to look like they're made from scratch. And I go, well, I can take some bar and some flat and I can roll them over and make you some real, you know, forged, you know, hand hammered hinges. And he was doing like, you know, four or $5 million homes. And so I go, but how many do you want? Cause you know, that, that's a lot of work, you know, it's not just like, you know, yeah. i come off the shelf and tapping on them a little bit and making them look that way. I mean, you know, he wanted them really forged. And so I played a little bit with it. I got him some work and then, and then my business just took a dip. You know, after 9-11, I had all kinds of contracts that just went away overnight because yeah. like, you got to have all these things now and Patriot Act and all that stuff. And so I quit messing with it <clears throat> and, but I was still welding and still fabricating still really excited about metal. I love you know, I wanted to get my degree in metallurgy and I went to school for for a while until I got bored and I wanted to go do welding, field welding. So I went to the field welder. Um, and then uh, we saw the ad for the show, you know, when it first first started. And I told my wife, she says, we, we got to watch that. That looks interesting. And so we we got hooked season one and we you know, we haven't stopped watching it since.
3: You saw the full evolution then. Yeah. You ever you ever go back and watch those early shows?
1: I, I did cause I didn't know how far back it was where you shot the katanas.
3: Well, I, you know, I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but, uh, you know, at first they were I, one. One, I'm going to be honest with you about this test. It's BS. You know what I mean? As far as like testing the strength of a weapon, because if you watch Penn and Teller, they shot a freaking a butter knife with a with a with a bullet, and it split the butter knife, split the bullet. So, I mean, the butter knife was stainless steel and like it was destroyed. But uh, but it's not it's not a true test of the strength of the of the blade, in my opinion. You know, I mean, you're firing a soft lead round at a hardened, uh, you know, edge. Of course, it's going to split. You know, it's it's ridiculous.
0: But uh, I, like it. I like
3: to give it a shot. <laughs> I, I told them, I was like, hey, angle that thing at a 45. Give me some green tip, a scope, and an M4 at about 100 meters off. Then let's shoot that thing on the flat. And they were like, no, we're not going to do that. I'm like, now you're testing the strength of the blade. You know, I was <laughs> like, but you know, they weren't about that life. Um, but you know, it's fun to watch. You know, it's fun to watch. Yeah. And and look, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I ever shot that on the first try. The third try was the best that I ever did, you know, uh splitting a, a 45 round down a blade. But I don't think it ever took me more than two mags to get them both. So, you know. <laughs> and you know what? I mean, when you're talking about these blades, man, they ain't that wide. <laughs> <You know? laughs> not that wide. It's like it's basically like uh, Basically, I'm just seeing a vertical line cutting through the front sight when I take those shots. Yeah, you know? so yeah,
1: yeah. but you know, obviously, you've played with weapons a whole lot more than the average bear. I mean, I play with guns all the time, but I live out in the sticks in Texas, and so I, mean, I live
3: in California. I don't have any guns; they took them all. <laughs> 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 so now I have, I have, I have less lethal weapons like crossbows. Yeah. Yeah.
1: it's just deadly they're not less lethal <laughs> i mean those things are pretty rowdy
3: but look here's the thing man like i, I <laughs> if i if I, if i need if i need a long rifle i'll be able to get one i suppose <laughs> yeah. yeah we uh, i'm not i'm not in uh I'm not one of the, I I shot, I've shot so many guns in my life, you know, from being in the army and, and then just being in the air force and then working as an instructor at the PJ school and you're just shooting and you're shooting and you're shooting and you're shooting and it's all the time, shoot, 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 shoot. Well, for me, there was never any practical, you know, engagements, you know, I never, I never like took that to the combat arena, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, a lot of guys did and, and I respect them for it, and and you know I met miss, I missed that bus, but then um, but then uh, what does that say? Lost then in a boating accident? What does that mean?
1: Yeah, this guy's a Marine that lives in California, and so he's saying that he lost all his guns in a boating accident.
3: Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I get it. Wink, wink, like that, like they're in my buildup downstairs, or maybe in a hidden compartment in my closet and with my body armor, if the government ever comes to get me. <laughs> no, no. I, uh, I, I have a couple of firearms in the house, but uh, you know, they're, they're all California legal stuff like that, you know and I mean? So it's not and I have my red Rider BB gun. So right. I figured I figure if anybody really needs a warning, I'll just tag them it with that in the forehead. Cover
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I mean, hey man, you don't
3: you don't want to come to my house? I've got my I've got my avenues of, of approach covered. I know my escape routes. I've got an elevated position on anybody that's coming in. Like the 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 rear approach is covered. Don't you worry about it. I got it, man. Like. <laughs>
1: That kind of never leaves you, right? Like
3: one. No, I'm just not it? one of those guys that could ever have a hundred guns. I feel like I'd be cleaning them all the time. Yeah. Like that yeah. would be my, like, and I have a Nova. I've got a, a Mustang. i got a house to take care of. I've got marital maintenance to do. I've got a baby to chase around. I, you know, you got to sacrifice some things for,
1: yeah. for the
3: family time, for the other interests.
1: Absolutely. So yeah. I want to ask you something about the uh, the reason I originally really wanted to get you on the show. Is because I I was watching your Instagram. Of course, Connie, my wife's name's Connie. We follow the Forging Fire and this new guy. You know, I love it that he's military, but he's not Will, and he doesn't do the right. This round is over. You know, he just doesn't do it right, and so we still watch the show. But uh, I see that I'm losing my track of thought, and I had notes written down and everything, but it still doesn't help because sometimes I go. I go off on a tangent, but um, what was I going to ask? What was I talking of- No, no, no. Was oh, Connie talking. there with you? She's there uh, with you. Yeah, come over here and sit down. What's up, Connie? And uh, <clears throat> I don't know what I was going to ask you or say, but so the guy that I flashed his, his thing on a few minutes ago, Frank, he's a Marine, and he took the joke about all the branches that make fun of the Marines that, that you, if you want them to understand, it, you got to write it in crayon. But mm-hmm. the problem is that they eat the red crayons, and so
3: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, he actually created a product that's on the market, and it's about to get where he can send it throughout the United States. They're called crayons ready to eat, CREs, just like MREs, except these no. are crayons ready to eat, and they're he calls them the first, the world's first edible drawable crayon and so you can actually he sends you a piece of paper that you can actually color in and then you you
3: can eat them and so, <laughs> i don't know about that man you're gonna you're gonna bait kids into eating crayon regular crayons right is that a is that a good idea it's like well, candy cigarettes so <laughs> what he did is he changed the
1: shape of them ah. so, that you, so that that you wouldn't confuse them. that way a parent can say listen these little triangle ones, you can eat those. The right round ones, don't eat the round ones.
3: Right, right. I got you.
1: So, but yeah, but he, uh, yeah, he he cracks us up all the time, and he's just about to get. Uh, this is Connie. This is my wife, Connie. My Hi, daughter, Connie.
3: How and are you? It's nice to meet you. <laughs>
1: You're not here, and he said, "Nice to meet okay, you."
4: Okay, nice to meet you.
1: Okay, <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> We're in the. Mountain. You got the headphones on, pal. <laughs> I know. Well, I got two of them, but but uh, she's not listening. So, but that's, I mean, I'm used to that part of it.
3: I mean. Oh man, Come on. <laughs> Come on now. Be nice. right? So I had an incident just, just speaking to speak into that. I had, there was an incident uh, a, a while back where, you know, I was at, a, I was at a function where, where I was listening to this, this gentleman kind of be rude to everybody in the room, uh, including me, my wife, you know, my guests, you know, some guests that I had brought with me to this, this function, you know, and, and some other people that I knew and, and uh, it, it, it was not subtle, you know, and he was, it, it, we were playing a game. He was being competitive and I was trying to understand, but then he, he made a comment uh, about uh, whether or not my wife wore the pants in the family. And uh, I felt fit to tell him that there was no concern of his but that I wasn't subservient to her, nor was she subservient to me. And uh, and then I asked him if he had any other things that he'd like to say about it. And he was like, no. And uh, because I just I think it's too easy nowadays, you know, when people when people you know the, the jokes, you know, you know the the common jokes, like oh well now we know who wears the pants in the family. Well, you know, is is that a joke or is it like a, is it a backhanded insult? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? And then how often does that happen before it becomes an outright insult or something like that? So, you know, when it comes and and that's one of the things I had to learn with the experience. The, the things that I used to say to my ex-wife, you know, I've been married. I already effed it up before. You know what I mean? I'm effed, I, I effed it up bad <laughs> in, a lot, in a lot of things in my life. So, you know, when I when I talk about these things, it's it's always, I hope, from a place of experience. But I'm really careful about those sorts of things, you know, you know, like those little slights, those little insults, those little uh, those little like rib things. And my wife will even warn me. she would be like, hey, you know, be careful. <laughs> and that's good, you know, because it reminds you, you know, you talked about what are the most important things in life, you know, yeah. respect those things.
1: So to go back, what I, what I, when I lost my train of thought, what I was saying is, you know, I originally really wanted you on the show because I was I, I was watching your Monday mental health bits mm-hmm. that you mental were health Monday. Monday. Yeah, yeah, mental health Monday. And one of the things that uh, a few months ago I got, and I don't know how it happened, but I got involved with a group on Facebook and there was a guy that said he was going to hurt himself. And so everybody was trying to get a hold of him. And, uh, for some reason he reached out to me in a message and we talked for about an hour, just kind of kept him talking. And I didn't really, I, I felt so helpless because I'm not a combat veteran. I got out of the service in 95. And so I didn't really know what to say to him. You know, I was like afraid of, I didn't want to use any trigger words and I didn't want to, and I really didn't know where to go with that. And so what I did, you know, I mean, I, as you heard at the beginning of the show, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I used a scripture. I asked him if he believed in God. He said, yes. And I immediately went to a scripture that I knew that, that tells you you that you're never alone, no matter what, even mm-hmm. when all your buddies that you went off to war with, even when your family and your friends shut their door on you, you're never, ever alone. Mm-hmm. And so, and the fact that I also said, you're always going to find another brother or sister that wore the uniform that will always make time for you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that, you know, in, in that when you first get out of service, it can be pretty alienating because you know, when you get out, you, what happens? You go back to your hometown, nobody from your hometown. Remembers the guy that or has been with you for the, these formative years. You know what I mean? Like say, see, it was even a six-year term. For six years, you were gone from your home. From your home, you went out and you had all of these experiences with these other people, and then you're going to bring all that experience back home and try to relate to your civilian friends on on a, on a level that they could never ever possibly understand. And then the tendency is to become disgruntled about it. You know, uh, disgruntled about like your inability to relate. And then you find yourself saying things like, well, I'm a sheepdog and they're sheep and they should understand. Well, now you just put yourself higher on the food chain than them. And that's pretty insulting as well. So you got to, you know, you got to understand that when you're a transitioning military member and you're getting out of the military, it's really important to maintain, you know, relationships, not just with the people that you serve with, but also with. All military members, because the common thread is the service itself. You know what I mean. And and the reasons that we serve vary as wildly as you know colors in the rainbow. You know what I mean. They, they say there's only seven, but really there's more, right? So yes. yes.
0: well, you know the
3: the the, the or I, you know the reasons that people join the military or have experiences in the military. I mean they're they're crazy, but everybody's experience can also be you know. Pretty much the same. You know, we all are indoctrinated. We all kind of like go to our units. We meet a bunch of crazy people, and some of them we like, and some of them we don't like, and we try to work together to complete a common mission. You know what I mean? And it's not a mission to to protect the American people. We're not doing that. We don't do that in the military. We're enforcing foreign policy. The people that protect the American people are police. So as a military member, if you think you're protecting the American people, you're not 100 percent right in that. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that you're not wrong, but you're not right either. Nobody's invaded America in a very long time. So active duty military members are enforcing foreign policy. That's what you signed up for. Nowhere nowhere in your in your service oath does it say protect the people of America. It's not in there. It's right. not. in there. That's a police officer's job. That's EMS. Those are firefighters. And you know what? There are some parallels there. You know, there are some parallels with, the, you know, when you talk about those kind of organizations, it's the organizational parallel, not necessarily the objectives and missions that you do that are the same. So we, we get ourselves as military members, we convince ourselves of all of these things. And then when people aren't grateful for what we did enforcing our country's foreign policy and we're like, well, I did it for you. They don't know what we're doing over there. You know, I mean, in their minds, they're like, "What? Hold on! You're dropping bombs and you're shooting people and you're doing all of this interdiction and you, and you're you're securing borders and you and you're doing all of this crap." And you, and that's for me, I have no idea what that is, but your policymakers do, and your policymakers make foreign policy. So, so there's a little bit of a of a, of a disconnect in there somewhere between the military member and the American people and what we as military members actually provide. You know what I mean? And and what we should understand as military members. And and to me, again, I know people are going to be insulted. They'd be like, B.S., I, I protect the American people. Show me in your in your oath where it says that it says support and defend the Constitution, of the United States. Right. Well, that's the ideals and principles that made this crazy ass country possible. I will support and defend those crazy notions all the time. And we're a young country. We're not going to get it right every time. We got a lot of things wrong, you know, but France has had, how long to figure it out. And they're still effed up Greece (laughs) how long to figure it out. And they're still effed up Japan, you know, generations, China, all these other countries have been around longer than us. And they're still trying to figure it out too. We need to give ourselves a break every now and again and just say, okay, you know, this is what it means to be an American. This is what it means to be an American military member and not take ourselves so seriously. And it's hard to tell a guy who's coming back from combat. Don't take yourself seriously. You should take that stuff very, very seriously. What you do in combat, what you do in the military, it's a very serious business because it's a life and death business. But don't expect that Joe Schmuckadella on the street, you know, the civilian to understand those things because he didn't ask you to do those things. Your government, your country asked you to do those things. Your country is more than its people or, you know, one of the most insulting terms I've heard of late is sheeple. You know what I mean? The sheeple. What is that? You've removed all humanity from the relationship between military law enforcement, you know, and 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 the civilian population. And then the bad guys are wolves. Why can't I mean a predator is a predator. It doesn't have to be a wolf. A human being can be a predator. But when you take the humanity, when you remove the humanity from the entire situation, now you've removed the common thread between all of us. If I'm a sheepdog, that means I'm not a sheep. I'm not even in the same gene pool. Okay. Let's kind of, let's kind of everybody get back on the same page again. We're all Americans. We're all people. We all need to figure out how to, how to, how to make this place better together. Not so divided. You know, it's the, it's the verbiage that divides us. Sorry, I went high into the right with that, didn't I?
1: (laughs) No, I love it. I mean, that's, you know, you really hit a lot of the key points. You know, I know when I got out of service and again, I didn't serve in any kind of I mean, my worst day was running out of money before payday. You know, I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. And and but I was indoctrinated the exact same way everybody else was. Mm -hmm. My brain was taught to think a certain way, Mm -hmm. and you know, and so when when you get out of the service, you keep looking for those kinds of things because, you know, it's what you know and it's how you think now. And I know not everybody does. Some people go right back to they can turn that switch off anytime they want. And mm-hmm. and that's fine. I, I, you know, the military stayed with me. And so for 12 years, I went from job to job to job every two years. And I didn't understand, you know, when I met my second, when I met Connie, she's my second wife. When I met her, she's like, you need to quit changing jobs and just stick with something, you know? And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm not happy here. I'm not happy here. I'm not getting anything out of this. You know, I'm just going to work and getting a paycheck and, And then I got a job 10 years ago with a company that still, you know, is part of the mission. Our customer was the NSA. Mm -hmm. And so again, I had mission all of a sudden, and then my, the VP, the president was a full bird retiree. And, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the crew, a lot of the leadership was all prior military. And all of a sudden I've got a mission again, I've got a purpose, you know, of what I should be doing. I'm part of, the team again. Right. You know, it's like you said, you should, uh, even if you're, you know, you should stick with, you know, stay connected with military folks when you get out, because it does help that transition quite a bit.
3: It does. And here's the thing. You can learn a lot from other veterans successes. You know what I mean? What worked for them, you know, and, and veterans failures and, and the most successful veterans that I've met are people who had family to fall back on you know what i mean not necessarily not necessarily their their military homies because if you get out and you stay local to your base, your, your, your buddies, they still have a mission. They're in, they're gone, they're deploying, they're training, they're doing stuff, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine days a week. And you're, you're, you know, walking around with flip flops in your house and, and, a, and a pair of sun with dust goggles in your boxer shorts and a snorkel, trying to figure out like, what, <laughs> what am I supposed to be doing today? You know? And <laughs> and uh, you know, you. And here's the thing. You're figuring out who you are without that military uh, uh, sort of direction. You know, you get out of the military and, and now you have no direction. Now you're like every other civilian out there. You're you're like my 20 year old son. What now? What no. now kid, like the, the world is yours. What, what is it going to be? What are you going to do? And that's scary because now you're standing on the precipice of, 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 of. Success, failure, or is it more, and, and that's how we look at it. I'm either going to succeed or I'm going to fail at this, but maybe it shouldn't be like success and failure. Maybe you should be standing on the pre- preface of like, uh, finding a contented and fulfilling life. You know what I mean? And where are you going to find that? You're going to find that in work. You know what I mean? I mean, you can find a certain amount of contentedness in work. I mean, your your bills are paid and stuff like that, but, but it's not going to bring you joy. You know, nobody's job unless you're doing the thing that you absolutely love. Like you built a company and you're self-employed. That's who, that's who gets joy from their job, self-employed people who own what they're doing. You know what I mean? That's who gets joy from work. The rest of us are just like, you know, trying to bust a salary cap. We're just trying yeah. to, you know, to to you know feel fulfilled by our job, feel like our job means something. You know what I mean? Everybody wants to think that the thing that they put most of their time and effort and thought into means a lot. And then when you find out that it doesn't or that you're disposable. Uh, you it's, it can be pretty disappointing and you're like, well, what should I have been putting my time and thought and energy into if it wasn't this amazing, you know, life altering world changing job that I had. And, uh, and, and then you come down to the, that's when you start asking the hard questions. Like, who am I without this job? You know, who am I as a person, you know, who am I, you know, to my wife, to my sons and, and. And when you start asking those questions, and you start getting to the root of like the kind of person that you want to want to be with your family and close and your closest friends, I mean, it, it changes your perspective on you know what it means to make a living. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I walked off a job. You know, I'm I grew up poor, man, like really poor. My dad worked uh, three or four jobs. So that me and my sister could go to school, a school that wasn't public school. And, uh, we just didn't have nothing. I mean, we didn't have much money left over mom, you know, counted every penny. And then, uh, every three or four years we get to go on a vacation, like to Dallas or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, when I got out and I got out of service, I struggled myself. I mean, until I joined this, when I, when I reached out to this company 10 years ago, uh, I was—I think the most I ever made was like eleven seventy-five an hour,
0: mm-hmm. and I was
1: so frustrated because I'm like, how could I be in the military? And I was an NCO. I was in charge of my work center for my for all the uh, electrical and communication guys on my ship. I was an E5, and um, and I was—I had an E6. I had several E5s and E4s, and all the way down working for me, and and so well, I can't say working for me, but I was in charge of that group, and so you go from that and I was so upset and kind of like beat down because I'm like, Oh my God, you know, the Navy taught me electronics, the Navy taught me these weapon systems. They taught me these communication systems. Why can't I get a step up, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just kept running into brick walls. And then, and then when I found the job that was very much like being in the military, again, you know, life changed
3: mm-hmm. and,
1: uh, and I made a pot ton of money over the next 10 years. But I was I found that even with the money, if you're not happy with what you're doing,
0: mm-hmm.
3: life
1: still sucks.
3: Right. Right. And and here's the thing, dude, you could be you could be making a lot of money. You could be making a lot of money and not feel gratified in your soul. You know what I mean? Like like this, like it doesn't matter how much money. You make it at some point you're going to recognize that like, OK, either I can keep doing this for somebody else and keep executing their vision and and I can keep accepting this. You know what? And, and here's the thing. A lot of people don't like their job and like their job because it doesn't pay enough. They don't like their job because they, they don't like their job because, you know, somebody next to them is a jerk at work all day. You know, they, they don't like their job because of the commute. There's a lot of reasons to not like your job. Well, every one of those reasons is a reason to leave a job. You don't like that, leave it. You know what I mean? You don't like it, leave it. I mean, you're basically trading off inconvenience for pay. You know what I mean? Do you, would I really want to be like entering data for 16 hours a day, you know, for, for, you know, I don't know what they pay for that, for that kind of a job, but is that something that I'm going to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm happy with the salary cap on that. And, and that's what I'm going to work for. Because when you're, complaining about the pay on that job you knew there was a salary cap when you took the job you know i mean like what are you complaining about go the and the only way to to to, to really avoid that is to work for yourself or maybe to become a day trader or something like that i i don't i don't know I, i'm still trying to figure it out i've always had salary cap jobs <laughs> i'm still trying to figure out how to work for myself you know how to how to be a a self-employed entrepreneur. You know, we're all trying to figure it out in one way or another. But the difference between being happy and 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 being miserable isn't whether or not I've had a job for the last year and a half. It's like what's my relationship like with the people that I love. And I gotta tell you, man, like it's been one of the greatest past years of my life. <laughs> like it's just been amazing. Like just being able to spend so much time with my wife and my son and kind of executing our own vision of what our life should be has been gratifying. And has it gone exactly like we wanted it to? No. But at least we're in it together. Like ride and die, Noah's Ark. You know, we're gonna do this crazy thing. And like you're either with me or or you're not. And and you know, it's nice to have a it's nice to have like, you know, somebody that's like, all right, man, let's load them up two by two and see what happens. Yeah. So If you, if you need an analogy, I mean, that's how, that's how ride and die you you need to be as spouses. Like when, if my wife comes to me and she says, I want to, I want to do something crazy, you know, and I hear her out, it's gotta be like, let's okay, let's do it. You know, you gotta be supportive for one another.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And my wife, her and I pick on each other all the time, but she's amazing. Um, you know, I was with this company for 10 years, making great money and. You know, things happened in my life. For me personally, when my dad passed away, you know, he he uh, made his peace with God. I say he made his peace with God. He surrendered his life because dad was mad at the church for a long time. And uh, we have similar was, fathers,
3: probably. What's that? I said we probably have similar fathers. It probably came down to money. Yeah, <laughs> anyone pay anymore? And, yeah, and I was
1: I was yeah. He, when when he passed, he he made his peace. And he surrendered his life before he died. And, um, that's a funny story. I'm not gonna talk about it now, but it's a really funny story. Our pastor told him that he was a general in God's army. Cause my dad said he wouldn't talk to anybody unless they were, uh, you can relate to this unless they were a Colonel, full bird chaplain, you know, Colonel or better. Mm-hmm. And, you and I know that you're not going to find a full bird chaplain, you know, anywhere, maybe, maybe the Pentagon. I don't know. Maybe. And so anyway, uh, But after that, I started, you know, looking at my life and realizing, you know, first off, who are you living for? Because if you're just living for that dollar that you keep chasing, you know, your marriage is never going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And so once I made, you know, those uh, connections with what my dad had done and why it was important to him at that point in his life, right before he passed away, obviously. But for me, it wasn't. I made that choice. I I followed, you know, I, I made the choice to follow Christ. I'm not embarrassed about it. My company's not embarrassed about it. Uh, people all the time tell me, well, you can't put God in front of your com- company because you're not going to, you're going to alienate people. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to alienate anybody. But if somebody doesn't want to buy my coffee, they're not going to buy my coffee. I, you know, I, right of that, right.
3: that right?
1: but what, what that whole thing, that whole event of, you know, course of events that happened in my life with my dad and in my self surrendering, and I was getting frustrated at work because you know how it works with the government, man. Eventually, it wears on you, and you're in an environment that you're that is just almost toxic mm-hmm. for you. Uh, and I would get mad oh, yeah, because me.
3: you you what you get into is a maelstrom of complainers. You yeah, know, if there's anything that we learn how to do in the military or in law enforcement or even yeah. is you know we learn how to complain, mm-hmm. and and it becomes like there's people that are really I'm good at it, man. I'm good at it. I complain in a way that makes people laugh. You know what I mean? I'll complain all day long. And mostly I do it for the comedy. You know, I don't take any of my complaints too seriously. I try to take them to an intellectual level when I complain about things. Like, okay, let's really think about this. You know, like I when I complain about things, I, I want to – it's usually because I want to make my boss feel like an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like when I'm complaining about something like that, it's okay. All right, everybody, gather around. Let's talk about this. You know, I'm being facetious. I'm, I'm, and I do it in a really nasty way. Right. And I'm good at it. And I learned it. I learned it in the military and I learned all that stuff. I learned how to complain like that. (laughs) <laughs> in the Ranger Battalion, I think we all did. It's you know. three degrees outside. The packing list says this, that, and the other thing. What is you? You know, you start asking all these questions that you know that these rhetorical questions you know the answer to. You know the other person knows the answer to. You know everybody in the room knows the answer to, but because they didn't think of a solution that you thought of, you're going to make them feel like an idiot. You know what I mean? Like that's that's my yeah. <laughs> that way of complaining, and uh, and it's toxic. It's toxic. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, 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 but you get into this, and especially when you get around a bunch of like Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, you know the the special operations guys, and it becomes this like, dun, 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 and everybody's complaining, and the next thing you know, it's like somebody threw a cat into a in, into a room full of, of Rottweilers, and it's just chaos, and everybody's barking and howling, and and it leaves angry and and would and and. Uh, <laughs> And you just end up spinning each other up. And for what? And for what? At the end of the day, it's like, okay, you go home. Now you've, now you've brought all of that anxiety and whatever you were complaining about home. And, and everything's now like a sounding board for that. And, you know, when you talk about a sounding board for that, that's when you hear the stop taking out your job on me. You know what I mean? And really, you're like, okay, you're trying to explain what the hell was happening at work today and, and and you don't think that it's that but from the opposite side, it's like, yeah, you're taking out your job on somebody else. Like, if you don't like your job, quit. You know how many times I've heard that? Like, if you don't like your job, quit, but I like my job and you convince yourself that because of your job, you know, I'm an Army Ranger. It's a special job. I like it. I love it. But like, do you really? I'm an Air Force para man. I like my job. I love it. It's elite. It's this. But like, do you really like it? I'm a TV show host. I do this. I do that. I do this. You know, it's amazing. I get paid all this money, but like, do you really like it? Do you really enjoy? Are you really enjoying yourself out there? Or is it like while you're on camera, while you're doing the do, you enjoy that part? But everything that goes into it, all the backside coordination, all the BS, all the waiting around, all that, all the same stuff that you dealt with in the military—that's what you don't like, and that's what it comes down to. And you get to a point where you're like, okay, I don't like this either you got to find something that you like but when you go home at the end of the day do you take those things with you you know what i mean and, and then and then when you talk about you know you bring in the 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 idea of of following christ and religion and and for a long time i told people i was an atheist man i was like i'm an atheist i don't believe in any of that crap because nobody ever showed up for me when i was praying you know what i mean and i came from a different household and i prayed to all kinds of different people for all kinds of different things, man. And mostly, mostly I'm glad that most of my prayers didn't get granted because they were not, they were not nice prayers. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I hope a rock crashes through the, you know, I hope that person drives off a bridge, (laughs) that kind of stuff, you know? So, you know, in a way, thank God they didn't, you know, those things didn't happen. But, you know, for a long time, I was the guy that was like, you know, on the airplane saying, God doesn't have the balls to give me a total malfunction. You know, God doesn't have the balls to do this, you know, like God doesn't have a balls to crash this plane. And again, you know, a lot of that's learned behavior. You know, I learned it from Sergeant Devins in the Ranger Battalion. He thought it was funny. And then I picked it up and carried the torch because I thought I was the same guy as him. And I'm not. And and he's his own man. And and uh, and, and you, you, yeah, I think as a young man, especially a young, angry man, you're looking for answers. You know what I mean? Like, where are these answers and, and, and the in and, and the more you don't get the answers and the more that, you, you know, like I try. I, I remember trying to go to church. And my ex-wife laughed at me and, and I, I would read the Bible here and there. My sister read it to me. And, you know, I always try to get to the root of things. You know, what is all this really about? And then uh, my wife, you know, I met my wife now. Her father is is Arabic. He's Muslim you know uh the my wife herself identifies as as a christian her mother's a christian her brother just got baptized you know but there is like half the family that's muslim and half the family that's christian (laughs) and like somehow like it all works out it all works together and and they say things like mashallah and inshallah and hamdulillah and i've learned like what all of these things mean and like what all the concepts are and i've you know i've studied like a little bit of like the buddhist theory and confucius and all of these other different spiritual paths that people have because at the root of it i think everybody wants this life to be about something more than it's about you know what i mean and we get caught up like okay this isn't working out like whatever's happening here you know what's after this you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> whatever's after this better be awesome and yeah. uh, and and we kind of trudge through life you know hoping for this awesome thing and and uh, never really i think that for me, it's a more spiritual thing. You know what I mean? Like my, mine is a very spiritual thing. I believe that we're all interconnected, and there's a there's a common uh, thread that goes through everything. Not just people, not just people, but everything. For me, you know, and and there's a balance to all of that. And uh, and I think some people are really tapped into it. I think that Jesus is one of those guys that was really tapped into that balance, man. He was really tapped into the idea. And for me, and I've read the New Testament quite a bit, if you swap out the word God with the word love in the New Testament, every place has said, we are the children of love. We are the, he is the son of God. He is the son of love. You know what I mean? We're we're all those things, if you start If you take God and you in any religion and you change it to love and and what love really is supposed to mean, you know, and and you kind of look at like religion or look at spirituality through that lens, I think it starts to it starts to change, you know. And and when people like, well, I don't know what that means. I don't know what love is. Well, look at your kid, man, like when he's a little baby. And that dude's looking at you, and he smiles at you, and it just like like breaks your heart a little bit. That's love, you know. When you lose somebody that you really cared about, and you're overwhelmed, you know what I mean. And and it just comes out of you, you know. That's that's love. That's what love is. You know what I mean. Love is 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 joy. It's loss. But it's it's a it's a deeper caring for everything that in your life, you know. And and for me, it's my it's my wife, it's my sons, it's my wife's family, it's it's my friends, you know what I mean. And and being able to reach out to those people and saying, "Hey, man, how are you doing?" Because life isn't easy, and God doesn't answer those prayers, you know, those those uh oh my God, just get me through this. You know what I mean? Like you
0: gotta get yourself
3: through it and understand that love is there. You know what I mean? You just gotta you just gotta know where to turn and 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 how to how to engage it. And look like look man, I'm I've I've got problems. And the reason I started mental health Monday is because I have borderline personality disorder. I have issues, man. Like I have anger issues. I have impulse control problems, and you know, I I I handle everything pretty well now. But for a long time, just even understanding like why I did a lot of the things that I did, I didn't understand. You know what I mean? It's like outside of my own body. But the combination of of like finding a spirituality, evaluating my own actual mental health. You know what I mean? Which is a you know physical. You know that's chemical. You know what I mean? So like, you know, there, it, there's gotta be a combination of things. You're looking at physical, mental and emotional health. When you talk about, you know, a person that's the real trifecta, the, the, the physical, emotional, and mental health of the individual and how I interact with that in my, you know, how I bring that into my community. You know, so for me, faith is all about that. How's my physical, mental and emotional health, what kind of an impact does it have on my family, and then what kind of a message am I sending to my community? You know, uh, when 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 I interact with them, that's what that's what my faith is all about. And just an understanding that, like, the next breath is going to come, the sun's going to come up tomorrow, the sky's blue, water's wet, trees are green, and and a hundred years from now, I won't be here anymore, and it'll be somebody else in my place trying to discover what this life is all about. And to me, it's all about like what I'm doing with you right now. That's what, this is what my life is about right now is communicating with you. What kind of a message are we going to have? What kind of an interaction are we going to have? Is it going to be pleasant? Is it going to be negative? I had a job interview last week. It was terrible, terrible, terrible. Guy told me that like, I was soft, <laughs> you know, in a job interview. He's like, ah, you're a little soft, <laughs> you know? And, and like I, I told them I, like, you know, I'm not trying not to be insulted, but like, you know what I'm, what I'm saying? Like there's going to be different inter- interactions and there's going to be bad days, but like, for the most part, for me, life is about these moments. You know what I mean? Living each, living each moment as best that you can in that moment. And like, look, dude, we, we all, we all trip. We all stumble. We all fall down. We all slide backwards, you know what I mean? We all get rolled over and, and, and been out of shape. And sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it's not our fault. But the, the the overall objective or the overall message that I'm trying to say is like, no matter what's going on with you in the world, the next breath is going to come. The sun's going to come up tomorrow. Water's wet, skies, blue, trees are green, and you know life goes on. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever you think is the worst thing ever right now, a week from now isn't the worst thing ever a year from now. Isn't the worst thing ever, you know? And, and, and that's what we don't give ourselves. We don't give ourselves enough. uh, We have to give ourselves understanding. I think not, not necessarily give ourselves rope, (laughs) (laughs) But, but like understanding, like I know, in my past, I don't do well with free time. If I have a lot of free time, I'm going to – in the, my past, I would go out and get into trouble. I would go drink. I would get you um know, you know, I would do all kinds of mayhem. Like nothing ever that was crazy. Okay, it was crazy, but like nothing ever that got me into too much trouble. But like I'm the guy that climbs to the top of a cement silo that, to jump off of it into a pile of dirt someplace. You know, just ridiculous stuff. Like I just never, I just never really thought about – I was never self-aware. You know what I mean? And then that's what I'm talking about. Like being self-aware, knowing yourself, you know what I mean? And, and and forgiving yourself for your individuality. It's okay to be different from your neighbor, man. It's okay because that's how it's supposed to be. If we were all the same, that would suck. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it means everybody gets to be the host of of and Fight. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So uh, we're, we we hit about a little bit over an hour. I, I tell you what, you have such a great message, Will, about you know, you know, especially if veterans can really relate to you. I know they can. Uh, I know it's what got me to start listening to your Mondays because you know it's something that I, that I know collectively as a community of veterans, you know, we need to be doing. You need to be doing your Monday, you know, videos every Monday without fail. So because somebody out there on a Monday needs to hear you tell them that they're not alone.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And 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 again, you know, I will admit my own humanity. On Monday, this Monday, I was flying. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I was, my mind was in a different place, you know, I'm flying out, I'm working a gig and, and, I, and I didn't get it done. And that's me dropping the ball. And I can forgive myself for that. But if somebody checked in and they were like, damn, where's Will? They got something else. They got something else. There's another message someplace else that says, hey man, you're awesome hang in there you know hook up with a buddy uh, uh call a friend you know how many guys have sent me messages like send me a message i don't care send me a message i'm going to read it and as long as it said and say when are you coming back to forest and fire you know which is never never <laughs> never going back <laughs> like it's, it's- you know, like that's thats the answer. So, if you ask me that, it's, there you go. But like, yeah. if you send me a message, and 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 it, I tried my best to answer all the messages, especially from my law enforcement brothers, my my LEOs, my EMTs—you know, all those all those people that I can relate to, all those people that identify, you know, as sheepdogs. You know what I mean? Like that. If you identify like that, that that's okay. That's fine. If that works for you, that's fine. You want to reach out to me, I'll do my best to answer you, but people also understand that I'm not a mental health professional. I'm just some dude that's a little messed up too. I'm just yeah. a little bit more open about it, you know? We're I don't all, We're all a little and, and you have to be. Yeah. You know what? I I actually met a celebrity and I won't go into who it was, and 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 when I met them, I I was like, "Man, this is just one of the, mo- the coolest, most genuine people I've ever met in my entire life, and I met him a couple of times." And he was the same person every time. And then and then you see him in public you're like, wow, that's the same person no matter what. And uh and I always think I think that I'm the same person no matter what or I try to be. And then you realize that at the end of the day like if you're pretending to be somebody else, somebody that you're not, that's exhausting. You know what I mean? You're going to get exhausted. Uh so for me, I'm just myself. I'm open with everybody. Like if you don't like something about me, that's great, man. You don't have to like everybody. If I got to be the guy, then I'm happy to be the guy that you don't like. But I like, you I, I, you know, it's, it's fine. That's fine with me. Uh, but hold on. I was coming to a specific point. Oh, uh, But I'm not a mental health professional. You know what I mean? Uh, it, uh, like I said, you can message me. I'll try to message you back. I'm not a mental health professional, you know what I mean? But the idea is just with mental health Monday is just to like, if you're feeling like you're in a bad spot at all, there's somebody that will listen to you. Even if it's gotta be me. Like if if you're again, if you're Joe Schmuck and we've never met before, we don't have any common anything in common. You send me a message. I'll answer it honestly, but again, look at who you're asking—the person probably furthest from knowing who you are. You know what I mean? And so you're just going to get my straight-ass answer, the way that I want to put it. You know, to you, not knowing you, and that can oft- often come off as offensive. Like a guy asked me uh, some recommend—he's having some relationship problems, he's like, "Okay, what do you recommend here?" Because your relationship looks great, and and like I work very hard. On my relationship, you know what I mean. I'm very con—I shouldn't say I work hard on. I'm very conscious of my relationship with my wife. I'm very—it's at the forefront of my mind at all times. And and I looked at this guy's Instagram, and I came back, and I'm like, "Look, homie, I looked at your Instagram, and you look single. You talk about how much you love this kid, and you know this girl, and there's not one public declaration of it. Yet. like. You look like a single guy. And I was like, and you know, for me, my life is out there. I'm not. You know, if you want to know, I'll let you. You're in my house right now. (laughs) Like, this is it. This is what I do. And um, so it's a lot of times it's about being honest with yourself, you know, when you're having those moments, you know, who do you really need to talk to in those moments? Again, if you can, if you can only think of me to talk to, send me a message. I'll answer you back. But there's, there's people that love you and care about you. There are people that birthed you and raised you. Uh even even if you you know were part of a system, there were other people in the system with you. Am I still in here? Oh
2: well shit. Hey, you're still here. Um I'm JD. I'm here as a contingency force in case uh JR falls out since he's in the world. What the the hell does
3: it happen, man? I just got switched from one podcast to another. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, I'm just here as a contingency I'm, I'm the, uh, the just Oh, you've been here the whole time? That. I have been in the background the whole time Just in case something happened
4: all
2: and right. I was I was getting pretty bummed out Thinking I'd never get to say hi So hi, Will, I'm JD
3: What's up, JD? You got any questions?
2: I have a thousand questions <laughs> Hey, he's back, man I was, uh, was
1: going to bring you on anyway to say hi Because he's Air Force uh,
3: Security Forces Alright, yeah. SF
2: yeah, I got in uh, right when they were transitioning from SP to SF, and uh, I much prefer the term SP because FS SF sounds really uh, pretentious. Yeah, yeah was, there, there
3: there have been some uh, there have been some crossed wires, some crossed lines of communication when it came to that terminology. <laughs> so,
2: I Not did have really. one question to uh, to go way back into the beginning of the conversation where you're talking about when you tran- uh, uh, made the transition from. Ranger Battalion to Air Force PJ. Um did you have to do the whole pipeline, the two year pipeline and all that, or did any of your I Ranger didn't have to go to airborne whatever?
3: school uh, because I did that in the Ranger Battalion and everybody goes to the same or I did that in the army, everybody goes to the same airborne school anyway, back in the day anyway. And I didn't have to go to the Air Force survival school because I went to the Special Forces survival school, the Slappy School.
2: <laughs> so yours was what? It was it was Probably, what, 14 months or so pipeline for you then at that point?
3: It went from, let's see, June of 98 till February of 99. I had a little bit of a holdover time at the pararescue school um, before PJ school started. But I mean, technically, it was supposed to be a little over a year for me or just about a year for me. But they extended my paramedic program when I was at Fort Bragg. So my paramedic program got extended for three months, which extended my pipeline overall for like eight months. So,
2: yeah, I'd actually uh, tried out for PJs in uh, basic. I was I went to basic in April '98. So right about the time you showing up there, I was graduating in BMT, and right. uh, I made it to the swim. And I got about a quarter mile into the two mile swim, and I, I had to come to Jesus talk with myself. I'm like, do I really? really want to do this for the next four years of my there's
3: life two sw- i don't remember a two mile swim i remember a 500 meter swim no there was about the pass test
2: yeah it was it was whatever it was it was something ridiculous but i was yeah it's it's still ridiculous and
3: it's like swimming in a in 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 i oh, never mind I, i'm not gonna say it
2: but yeah it was because yeah you did the two mile run let's the just say there's a else. lot
3: of dudes in a pool and it, it's like soup
2: yeah and, and you're wearing uh the speedo that god knows how many people had worn before it just sprayed with the same stuff they spray uh bowling alley shoes with i guess i don't know
3: i i once had an instructor ask me what i thought of the speedo and i was like setting us up for success
1: <laughs> man i uh i i really can't tell you how appreciative i am of you coming on the show i'm glad jd got a chance because i was going to bring him up anyway and and have him ask you something that he wanted to ask
3: you but um you ask know. Me. was that the only question you had
2: no no there's quite a few one of them and hell i'll get Where right to the that? point man i would love to Let's have you on my fire. show at some point okay rapid fire um did you actually learn and forge anything when you were working on the show for yourself yes
3: Yes. yes. And I forged a knife for every single one of my brother-in-laws who got married while I was working on the show. I forged a knife for my son when he graduated from high school. You can watch that video on YouTube. Uh, and I also forged a knife for my 20-year-old son when he graduated from high school. So yes.
2: Okay. Uh, I'm trying to keep my, my podcast is a little more risky than this one. So I'm trying to, to, to gear up for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> getting the right right mindset. Uh, well, his I'm right, good at
1: this. It's called Tales from the Barstool, and <laughs> mine's called God Country Coffee. So there's a little bit of
2: <laughs> there Yeah, basically, there's two great equalizers in the world: religion and the barstool. And you go to either place, and you're going to get the most honest pa- uh, answers from people.
3: Here, they're all vehicles for confession.
2: <laughs> hey, wow! Can I steal that? I'm totally stealing that. As long as you, you give yes. me credit, maybe.
3: i mean is bar is a bartender any different than a a priest you know what i mean
2: uh seminary school i guess that's the only difference
3: that's the only difference but like a a priest is pretty off the cuff too and some of the stuff that you're talking to him about he's got no carnal knowledge of (laughs) so like let's be real
1: (laughs) that's awesome that's crazy. What Man, else I should got, have taken baby? notes. You got something else. I, Man, I should have, have been
2: it. taking notes. Cause there was so many times I'm like, Oh, what about this? And I'm wanting to follow up. And it was, and now that it's, you know, three seconds have passed and, and TBI kicks in and I don't remember anything, you know, Oh, I agree. I, got you.
3: I got you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I don't, I don't have service related TBI. I don't want to do that. I, I decided no, that. Oh, I wanted God. to, I wanted to break a road with my face at 40 miles an hour off my motorcycle a couple years back. And, and, uh, so so yeah i still have memory issues occasionally and now yeah. it kicks in right as i'm on the spot so i feel wonderful about that
3: it's okay man I, but you know if you're gonna make it to the big time you got to be more off the cuff
2: you gotta yeah you are absolutely <laughs> correct on that one <laughs> no
3: doubt, no doubt. So, no, uh, jd reach out to me man let's set it up we'll do it
2: yeah absolutely man i i do appreciate that and, and um I, I, I do have to say thank you, uh, JR, for letting me be here, but also thank you, Will, for uh, your very candid and sometimes um, unpopular opinions that, that you put out there, but you, you don't just say it with malice or say it to, to, to piss people off or to get the attention. You say it because it's what you truly believe, and, and it, it's an unfortunate rarity that, that that happens, especially with people that have any kind of fame anymore. Um, for them to say what they actually feel, and and I can, one hundred percent say that I truly appreciate your candor.
3: Well, you know, it's one of the things that I tell people is, is that look like I was, I was just some you know squirrely pimply faced kid at some point in my life too that named Pimple Puss when I showed up to the Ranger Battalion. You know what I mean? I, I I've been. I've been every kind of normal person that everybody else has ever been. It's at some point in their life. I've, I've gotten to shake hands with, with a president and I've been in crazy situations and I've been picked up out of the gutter in new Orleans, like literally out of a gutter in new Orleans. You know what I mean? Like I've, when I talk about like the point of life is to live every moment, you know for me i really wanted that i wanted to know that like when i left there wasn't a moment of my life that wasn't filled with some sort of drama you know something something happening some sort of excitement some sort of a thing and i really made a selfish effort a very selfish effort to ensure that all of that stuff was fulfilled and 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 in doing that i also sacrificed a lot of interpersonal relationships you know what i mean i really you know, and, and, and there are things that I've gone back and I've apologized to people for. And there are some things that are just between me and another person. And there are some things that I will talk openly and willingly to, to most people about. What I hope that people respect is that when it comes to something that I won't talk about, that that's just for me. You know what I mean? I talk about a lot of things. I'm very open about a lot of things. But there are things that are just for me. You know, there are uh, uh and and i think that that's okay too i think that that's okay too and um and uh the people that i do share those just for me things with are the ones that are closest to me and it's okay to have those a a lot of people don't think that it's okay to have those those thoughts and those feelings and these and 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 they feel alienated from everybody else they're like oh my god i feel i'm feeling this and it's not what everybody else feels and and, uh, and, and it's eating me up inside. Well, I, I talk to my wife about those things. You know what I mean? If I talk to, to her about them at all. You know what I mean? But but like when I can tell that something's eating me up from the inside, I make sure. And this is the whole point of Mental Health Monday. That I turn to somebody that I think is going to understand. And, I, and, and then I communicate with them about that. I don't have to tell them, you know, exactly every little thing that's eating me up. I can just say, hey, this is affecting me in this way and, 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 and kind of roll with it that way. And then you get more and more comfortable, you get more and more candid. And then you start to realize that like, you know, everybody's just like me. <laughs> Almost everybody is just like me. And they're all unique, crazy individuals who have all this same stuff going on that I do just in their own little ways. It's okay. It's okay.
2: Yeah. Oh overall mental health is, is a very, and, and the issues with mental health that everybody has is, is a very common thread that everybody can come back to. And, and we may not all have the same triggers, the same experiences, but a lot of us, and it's something I found out in hindsight, the way I reacted to things for a long time, I was, I was really ashamed with, um, my actions and especially, um, unchecked anger, unchecked, um, just you know I was the guy that the the Kyle that would punch walls and and smash things on the ground you know just get angry hulk smash and and it would, I had I did that until how many phones? my sons started emulating that and when my son started emulating that I was like oh this is uh this is not okay I can't show that this is a good example I can't show that yeah that this is how it is and I can't continue to do it and tell him not to do it because then I'm a hypocrite but I think with talking with you, with talking with Jose behind the scenes, we've we've met in person and, and other veterans that, and, and not even veterans, just other people in general. And they have the same reactions to stressors. And it's the stuff that I was once ashamed of. I'm no longer ashamed. And I can talk about that and, and try to uh, uh, empathize with people.
3: Here's the thing. Here's the thing. One, one thing I've learned about shame is that it's something that other people cast on you you don't have to accept it. You don't have to bear that burden. Somebody else is throwing this thing on you for for whatever, whatever your choices are, whatever thing that it, it is that you're ashamed of it. A lot of times it's somebody else putting that shame on you. If you can own your stuff and you can come back and say, Hey man, I shouldn't have done that it's nothing to be ashamed of, you know what I mean? Okay, I reacted in a certain way. It's inappropriate. But is it shameful really? Or is it just human? You know what I mean? Is is my is my and everybody, I'm not gonna say everybody has reactions like I have, but because I can be very explosive, like that, like just snap, like if you ain't getting it, I'm gonna make sure you get it. And I'm gonna make sure you get it loud you know, and, and, and that's the kind of a guy that I can be. And I'm always remorseful afterwards. I have remorse, but I'm not ashamed of what I did. I just, I'm the person that I am. There are a lot of things that went into making me the freaking person that I am. And I'm, and, and so I embrace my uniqueness. I don't try to, I try to alter the behavior in the future, but I'm never ashamed of it. You know what I mean? It's just something that happened. You know what I mean? Shame is like, Oh, you should be ashamed of yourself. Why? Why? Because you didn't like it, and you you think I should be ashamed? You know, I, so for again, shame is something that you got to be careful with. You know what I mean? Uh, especially shaming other people. You know what does the Bible say about that? <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, you had mentioned it there's earlier a lot of your nowadays. Career. There's a
3: lot of finger finger pointing and shaming. Like shame on you, shame on you, shame on this, shame on that, shame, 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 shame. shame. And I'm like, how about? Responsible for this, responsible for that, responsibility, 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 accountability, accountability, not shame, necessarily, but like, absolutely. Accountability. Yeah.
2: And you had mentioned earlier that you had changed a lot of things in your life because of your wife and your and, and your child and everything like that. And my wife, which is the co-host of my podcast is right here. And she wants to say hi. This is my beautiful wife, Kat. She is the <laughs> yeah. one. <laughs> that got me to stop punching walls <laughs> and smashing no, things on the ground. No, I
4: didn't. No, no, we're all work in progresses. uh, he got there on his own because you can have the best woman behind you, but if you don't have the willpower to stop doing what you're doing and stop the stupid shit, you're not going to do it. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't me.
3: Sometimes, sometimes it's nice to have a motivator. You know what I mean? Like a little angel on your shoulder, if you will. You know, it's nice to have a a loving voice in the back of your head that says, I understand you. I support you. You can handle this however you want. However, let's not punch a hole in the wall this time. You know what I mean? And it's those little, <laughs> it's those little steps, you know, they come from our support system. Those little bits of encouragement sometimes they get us to where we need to be. It doesn't have to be like, Oh my God, we sat down and we had one night of this big drawn out conversation to alter my life forever. Whoever tells you that is full of it. Whoever tells you like I had a conversation, it's all <laughs> That's good. True. We're, That's true. we're done. Like you're so full of crap. Like Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs>
4: No, it was a thousand conversations. It was uh, exactly. I can do this without you. I can do this without you. I'm choosing to do this with you. You need to choose to do this with me or I'm out, mm-hmm. you know. But I, there were times where he should have left me. I mean, yeah, that goes both ways. We've been together 18 years, so I think, I think that goes every way. Me. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely ticks with him being a veteran, you know, especially out in public that I've learned to cope with and to help him cope with so that i would say was the biggest thing
2: seating hyper uh yeah
4: he can't have his back to any to any
3: doors you know that that I ask you something, jd and, and 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 i'm sorry jd kind of came in here and everything do. <laughs> do you have a bug out bag um yeah what are you bugging out from Oh, uh, well, we
2: live on the coast in Corpus Christi, so it can be something as simple as bugging out from a hurricane. It could be something okay. as, uh, it, it could be anything from from natural disaster to um, Red Dawn and Russia invading us. And it's everything in between. I would just rather be prepared and never
3: have to use it. <laughs> than, I will uh, remind you that America has not been invaded since the War of 1812. <laughs>
4: I, he's more uh i don't know come being his wife and
3: hearing him talk i, I feel I like you need to tell people that when they have a bug out bag. the natural disaster it, thing i get it but when you start talking about invasion i'm like ah uh, i'm gonna stand my ground guy i'm not going anywhere
2: well just like you had discussed earlier about knowing um your higher elevation knowing all your routes of entry exit all that stuff well, the last hurricane that hit down here hurricane harvey um we had evac about an hour north of here i went to my mom's place out in the country, helped her board everything up. And uh, we have law enforcement friends here in Corpus. And one of them called me up and said, Hey, they're starting to loot in your neighborhood. So I drove back down and I, people, People. random people were breaking into homes because everybody had evac. And so I sat in my son's room with, uh, knowing, knowing my, uh, fields of fire and, and all that good stuff. My range cards were all made. And, and, you know, it's not because of, you know, somebody invading, but it's like if somebody's going to come and take everything that my wife and I have worked so hard for, mm-hmm. then, yeah, no, I'm not letting that happen. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But let me ask you this. Is the cost of somebody's life worth that TV that you're protecting?
2: Cost of somebody's life is worth my family feeling safe in, okay. their, in their own house. I, I, yeah, whether it be a break-in and, and a do mental or physical, my family will feel safe where they live and they sleep. I understand
3: where you come from. It's just, a question. just but, a question. But, yeah, I, I
2: totally get it. That that possessions are things. I, I understand that. I missed but. all
4: of this. I spent five days in a hospital during the hurricane. So I, I work in a, in the medical field. So I was... There and yeah. as you can imagine, it's been a busy year for me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The
3: I'll let
4: him handle all that.
3: <laughs> the COVID. Man, yeah.
2: JR, I feel bad. I, I kind of commandeered and, and took over when you dropped out for a little bit. I would, I would like to yield back to you and let you do your thing. And I'm just going to no. hang I, back. I, and watch. Hi, JR, oh, and so I'll good. let
4: y'all I'll let y'all continue. I don't have my face on and I don't have a beard, so I feel a little <laughs> out of place here.
2: But y'all have <laughs> a
4: good
1: was, time. So a great conversation. Thanks for jumping in. Connie <laughs> jumped in earlier. You know, so it's all good. Thank you. It's nice to meet
2: you. Will uh, said it was nice to meet you.
0: Yeah. She said it was
1: nice to meet you. (laughs) Calm down, JD. Calm down. I told you. Behave yourself. No, I'm kidding. Uh, JD's a good friend of mine. And uh, we all met in a veterans organization for entrepreneurs. Um, And we belong to a mastermind group within. It's called Vetpreneur Tribe on Facebook. Over 15,000 veteran entrepreneurs. Nice. and we belong to a mastermind group that's a hundred members, and we all help each other. We're all literally helping
3: each other uh, succeed in business. And it's great, and and that's where where our focus needs to be. You know, what yeah. I mean, when we talk about veterans and and what their role in the community is going to be, it's it's leadership within your community. And how do you become a leader in your community? You become active as a business person in the community. You become active in the schools in the community. You become active in in the in, in the uh, the recreational events in your community. You know whether it's youth sports or or even church groups and, and stuff like that. And that's the way that you become, you know, uh, I think influential outside of the military because we're all looking for that. We're all looking for, you know. A unit, I think. I think we're all looking for a unit and a place to belong, a place to live, a place to love. Not just a family to love. I mean, I've told my – I've told – the rising tide shifts, lifts all ships. Really? I love that phrase. I use it all the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's – I've never word. heard
3: that
2: before. Yeah. Basically, that's- if everybody works to elevate each other, everybody that's involved gets raised.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, a lot of times when, when we get out of the military, it's like, we're just kicked to the curb or that's what it feels like. You know what I mean? And you're like, well, where, where am I supposed to link up with what's the next rally point, so to speak? And it used to be the VFWs and the and the uh, the foreign legions, the American legions, or not the foreign legions, but the American legions and stuff like that. And now there are all these other great organizations that are out there. And it's a ma- It's just a matter of like getting out the message that we're not alone. You know, there are a lot of a ton of guys out there, ladies, guys. Uh, non-gender specific personnel <laughs> that serve just like you. And, you know, I, I know you're not supposed to laugh when you say shit like that, but you know, I'm going to laugh. Um, there's, you know, there's other people out there that have gone through similar things. Nobody has ever had the exact same experiences that the guys that were, They all went to go get Osama bin Laden. Every single dude on that mission had a different experience. It was the same mission, but every guy had their own individual and different experiences. And we all had that in the military over the courses of our careers and in law enforcement and all that stuff. And in our own lives as civilians, we have our different experiences and in our different ways of life and in our in our in our different ways of thinking. And if you can't embrace the differences, you know then you're part of the the problem you know what i mean you're you and we don't all have to think the same we don't we just need to have a common objective and 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 understand that sooner or later we got to work together to get there you know that's it
1: amen to that man that's uh you know we really do should be treating each other with love and kindness all the time and if we did that we'd have a lot less problems going on um uh, yeah you know, like there are
3: some there are some terrible, terrible people out there in the world that don't believe in any of the things that I believe in. You know what I mean? And and those are people that I'm not going to get along with. And that's fine, too. I understand that, that for for every, you know, for every shiny rock, there's a you know, there's there's one that's not, you know, for every for every good thing. There's there's a bad thing. And that's what we talk about. Balance. You know and finding a balance point in our lives it's not just a it's not just our lives aren't just like this linear curve you know this linear timeline there are all these different branches and things going on in our lives and and people want to try to you know control everything well you can't control everything but you can try to balance things you know what i mean you can try to find that balance point on something that is you know totally what do you want to call it? misshapen so to speak it's like it's like an odd thing you know where you're trying to find all of this balance in your life and again i like talk about the spiritual mental and emotional balance like your emotions can be out of whack but you're healthy <laughs> you know what i mean like you, you your brain could be going a million miles an hour you know what i mean but emotionally like you feel okay You know, like, yeah, I'm good. My relationships are good emotionally. Like, you know, I'm not having any turmoil or anything like that. But like my brain might be on fire with ideas or even problems and and worries and and stuff like that. Or I could be sick, you know, and and things are out of balance. But, you know, it's all about just trying to maintain that balance for as long as you can until, you know, somebody (laughs) uh, says that's enough. And we're not the we're not supposed to be the ones that say that's enough it's supposed to happen at a time that's as as out of control for us as when we came into the world you didn't get to choose how or when or to who you came in the world you know what i mean it just happened and it's supposed you're supposed to leave that way too you know what i mean you're not supposed to know when it happens it's just supposed to happen and 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 by the time it happens i hope that you know you you had this all of this from the time you came until it ended, to enjoy it. And most of us seem like we're not trying to enjoy it. So I well, man, I,
1: I can't tell you again how much I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Uh, know. You know, and uh, <laughs> the way this is going to work is I'm going to put us all back in the green room and close the show out. But before I do, if you wouldn't mind, I would like for you to close the show the way you ended the rounds. This podcast is over.
3: I can't do it. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. You do it. Me, (laughs) I did a hand signal. I did. This podcast is over. (laughs) There you go.
1: (laughs) All right, sit tight for just a second, Will and JD. Uh, and I'm just gonna close it out real quick and then I'll get right back with you. Hang on one second. All right,
3: you got it, brother.
1: Well, folks, there you have it. An hour and 40 minutes. Uh, we started out with a great commercial, uh, a little piece of what we're doing here at Legacy Farms, what we're trying to support. I uh, hope you'll look at all the comments. Uh, we put the the uh, uh, website for the places where you can go and and donate money because that's kind of what we need. You know, you you can come down to Honduras and you can help physically, uh, but most people donate money, and so uh, we're we're trying to do that. We're trying to help. We've seen firsthand how these people in a third world country live. And we just want to be able to impact their life just a little bit. And um, everybody who stayed on Justin, Jenny, Brian, everybody, we really appreciate you guys. Remember treat each other the way. God tends to treat one another with love, kindness, and respect. And I will see you next week when we have the all branch brawl where all five, well, all four branches and the coasties are all going to be online. We're going to have five or six people all on the show And we're just going to beat up on the Coasties. Well, and the Marines, too, because they can't really read. But anyway, love you guys, and we'll see you next Friday at 1900. Good night.